can I encourage you? Um, the Christian life is a personal one. At the end of the day, we can sit and blame others if we want to, but it's not going to hold up in heaven. You know what I've learned? I've learned that everyone is a sinner. And even the best of people have failed me, and they make mistakes. I am so put out <laughs> with myself. I feel so inadequate. And I've been honest. I'm just sharing with you now. I mean, even having a, a slip of a, of a word, you say, well, it's just a word. Well, it's a word, but it has to do with a mom or a dad. And I'm going to be honest with you. I get so fed up with myself <laughs> of how inadequate I am. And if I sat and dwelled on it, I'd get discouraged. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd get discouraged about it. I'd get depressed. Um, the other day, I went out to a, a haunt of mine, a place that I've been many times as a young person. My legs wasn't as uh, strong as they have been in the past. Um, I was a little more shakier than I've been in the past. I'm going to be honest. I got a little frustrated. I said, man, I remember when I was 20, I could just jump across them rocks. Can't do it anymore. And when I got home, my back was killing me. And I'm like, man, wonder why my back was killing me. Well, I'm going to be honest, I believe it was because I was so tense. I was so tense, and obviously, if you're all reading between the lines, I was wading out in a river. And years ago, I could jump across them rocks, I could leap, I could just drop down in the water. Man, I was out here like this. And the swift water, and I really, I believe my back was hurt. And you know what? It frustrates me. And I wish that I could come here in the morning and on Sunday and not make any mistakes. I wish I could wax eloquent. I wish I could remember everything that you asked me. I wish I could remember and not forget a prayer request. But I can't. Try and See, if we're not careful, we'll focus on the wrong things. The Christian life is a personal one. At the end of the day, I'm going to give an account to the Lord. At the end of the day, you're going to give an account to the Lord. And at the end of the day, at the end of our life, that's who we're going to give an account to. And so I hope and pray you'll guard your heart. You'll guard your personal walk with the Lord Jesus. There are times you can't hide in a crowd. And I know there's great demonic struggle going on. And I want y'all to know something. He wants your family. He wants you. He don't care how he gets you. And by the way, he probably won't get you with witchcraft. He probably won't get you with Satanism. He'll get you with something that's good that ain't the best. Y'all hear me? He always gets most people because it's something good, but it's not the best. Somebody say amen. So be careful. Watch your heart and guard it very diligently. Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the gospel according to Luke? And we're going to be in chapter number 16. Now, I must confess to you, um, I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night at Cook's Chapel Baptist Church, Monday night, Tuesday night at Cook's Chapel Baptist Church, 
On Wednesday, we drove, I don't know, about an hour and preached at Greystone Baptist Church in Lewisburg, West Virginia. And then on Thursday, we drove another hour and preached in a little town, well, not a little town, probably one of the largest towns in West Virginia, Beckley, West Virginia. And I preached at the Staniford uh, Missionary Baptist Church. And they had a hillbilly camp meeting, and you talking about fitting in, I fit in. And he said, he said, don't wear a shirt and a tie. You'll be the only one there. He said, if you want to wear bibbed overalls or if you want to wear something. I said, well, I don't have no bibs. But I said, I can dress hillbilly. So, hey, man, it's been a long time since I preached in a pair of blue jeans and a flannel shirt. And I preached in a pair of blue jeans and a flannel shirt. And we was under a tent. And it was hillbilly camp meet. And I'm going to be honest with you, didn't find out until we got there. Me and Miss Laura standing at the tent. And we're talking to the preacher, and he says, now there's a man going to be preaching before you. And I'm like, oh, didn't know that. And when you're told that as a preacher, that you realize right then everything changes. Because normally if you're the only preacher, you can preach 35, 40 minutes. But if you're two, you try to get all that condensed in about 25 minutes. So in my mind, I'm starting to think, how am I going to do this? But the man that preached before us, he preached the message on hell. And I'm going to be honest with you, I went back through memory lane. It's been a while since I've mentioned much here about hell. But not only that, I remember when I was a boy, I got saved because a preacher preached on hell. And I'll never forget that morning. Man, I was under such conviction, I got a hold of my mother's hand and I said, Mom, I need to get saved. And I got saved that night, that morning, and I thank God for it. So this morning, I want us to look at this topic, and I really, I've entitled this thought, The Saddest Story That's Ever Been Told. Now, I believe, and uh, we have many a sad story told in history of human, uh, it could be a family loss, it could be, look, if you read history, and you, uh, I love to read uh, World War II history, Civil War history, there's a lot of sad stories. I mean, very sad, will really grip your heart. Maybe you've read a sad story of loss of health. Maybe someone's loss of their money, their wealth, uh, loss of all their friends. By the way, there's a lot of sad stories in the Word of God. Job was a very sad, devastating story. Jonah is a very sad and uh, devastating story. The book of Jonah or the book of uh, Genesis that highlights Joseph's life, that's a sad story, man. It didn't seem like that man could catch a break. But I believe this morning this is probably one of the worst. And here's why I believe it's one of the worst stories ever told. Because sadly it's still being done today. It's, it's being reenacted again today. It's being repeated today. So let's look at Luke chapter 16. If you'll begin reading with me. I want you to notice in verse 14. Because you have to get the context. Why is Jesus Christ speaking about this subject? Notice why, verse 14, and the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things that they derided him. So see here the Lord Jesus knew their heart. The Pharisees was the religious bigots of the day. No one knew their heart but Jesus and Jesus was teaching and so when he knew their heart, and you know what, I've heard some people say, preacher when you get up to preach you shouldn't pinpoint anybody. That's probably true but Jesus did. He knew their heart. By the way, if a pastor has a pretty good pulse in his church, he knows his people. And so I want you to say, well, the preacher was really on me today. Well, I hope so. 
By the way, the reason, the whole reason I've talked about keeping your Christian life right, because you can be happy no matter where you are. Many times we're not in the right place because we don't have the right spirit and the right heart. You can be in the most spiritual place in the world, and if your heart's not right, it's not right. You say, Pastor, why you mention that? Because I know there's people here like that. You say, Pastor, are you focusing in on anybody? Yes, I am. I'm focusing on myself too because Jesus said, hey, I know their heart. He said they were all covetous. So look what he says to them. And he didn't do it because he was being mean. He did it because he loved them. And he came to see all of them saved. He wanted to get them. He wanted to see all of them get right. So sometimes when we read the Bible, say, oh, Jesus had a mean streak in him. No, he didn't. He loved these people. He was trying to get a hold of their attention. And by the way, that's what a sermon should do. should get a hold of our attention. But in chapter 16, God doesn't mince words. He said, these people that I'm speaking to are covetous. So I'm going to deal right with their problem. I'm going to go straight to their heart. Notice what he says in verse 15. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now, he keeps talking there, but now he's getting ready to teach them in a form of a parable. A parable is something you cast alongside. It would be like someone using an object lesson to get a point, to drive a point home. And the Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher that's ever lived. So he really knew how to drive a point home. So he knew the audience that was in front of him. He knew their hearts. He knew what they were thinking. And he knew what they were struggling with. So out of love, he gives them this strong message to stir their heart. Because he knows that if they continue down the path that they're going to continue with the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit, he knew that it was going to be detrimental to them, not him. So out of love, he put himself in a place that he wasn't comfortable with, but he knew his audience and he knew where they were, so he loved them enough to tell them what they needed to hear, whether they wanted to or not. Notice how pungent this is. Look at verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell. He lifted up his eyes being in, notice the wording here, torments. Not torment, torments. Plural. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, 
And likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto him, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us, please. Lord, I, if there's anyone here that is aware of in their inabilities, it's me. And so, Lord, I know that you're able, and I pray you'll help us today just to speak thy word, and I pray that you'll take your word and speak to hearts. We'll thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think about this. Now, as you think of the context of the message, he realizes that he has a group of religious zealots in front of him. They're hypocrites. Uh, The Pharisees were not good people. They were full of religion, but they didn't have a relationship with God. So therefore, they become religious. They become very duty-oriented. They became uh, very cynical people. They became nitpickers. That's all they wanted to do was nitpick stuff. They become nitpickers. And by the way, You need to be careful in your church not to be a nitpicker. Because that comes both ways. Pretty soon you get nitpicked to death too. Somebody say amen. And I've learned that nitpickers that like to nitpick everything at church, somewhere down the road their children become nitpickers of them. Now with a Pharisee, they become a nitpicker. Why? Because they don't have a relationship with the Lord. They're all about religion. They're all about what people see of them and what they can do and and they love to be bragged upon. And so they're also coveting money. They're, they're wanting to talk about money. They, 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 the Bible says he knew their heart. They were covetous of many things. But by the way, the Bible says that for the love of money is the root of all evil. So this thing's real. People can be real envious and, and covetous of money. But there was no doubt the people that was in front of the Lord, he knew their hearts. So he brings this parable out talking about a rich man. Why? Obviously, it's very clear. He's wanting to deal with them because of covetousness. They're wanting wealth. They're wanting everything good. But he's trying to teach them a lesson that just because you're wealthy doesn't mean that you're going to be wise. So he's given this wonderful parable. It's a sad parable. I believe it's the saddest story ever told in the Bible because it's being repeated today. And we find so much insight about hell in this verse. We find so much insight of what people are doing in hell. By the way, this parable teaches us that people in hell can see heaven. But they can't get there. And they've come to their senses in hell. Something that they should have come to while they were in life. We find in this passage of scripture that this rich man had everything good in this world. He was faring sumptuously, had everything that money could buy. But now when he died, he was living in hell and he was never going to leave. And so this is a sad story. Here's one of the reasons that I say it's a sad story in the Bible. It was so unnecessary. Now I told the class this morning, I'll say it larger here to the church. 
If you've attended this church for a long period of time, you have a lot of light. What I mean by that is, you're not like someone that lives out in the corner of some remote area that no one's ever heard the Bible. You've been brought up, you've lived, you've been a part of a church that had preached the truth long before I got here. But since I've been here in the last 14 years, I know the Bible has been preached. And I want you to know something. There's not one soul that has attended this church that's going to say, oh, well, I didn't know because we know. We've been given a lot of light. We've been told what the Bible says. We've been told what God expects of us. So we're not going to be able to go to heaven and pull, well, Lord, I just didn't know. No, 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 no. It's going to be, Lord, we just didn't do anything with it. We didn't obey. We didn't listen. We didn't put that in our life. We ignored you, Lord. So this is so unnecessary. This rich man had an opportunity. Just like everyone at the sound of my voice today. God came that no one would die and go to hell. God does not desire that anyone go to hell. By the way, I've heard that all my life. I just don't know of a loving God why he'd send somebody to hell. He's never sent one soul to hell. You've had to climb over every obstacle to get there. (laughs) We live in America. We've heard it all of our life. We've heard preaching all of our life. And so it's not like, oh, I made a mistake. No, we willingly climbed over an obstacle. We climbed over a barrier to get there. There's churches on every corner. There's preachers that have heralded the Word of God for years. It's not that we've not heard. It's just like this man we just did not heed. So why is this sad? I want to give you a few things why this is the saddest story I believe ever told. Number one, he doubted the word of God while he was living. He doubted the word of God while he was living. See, here it is. Moses, even the law, told us that he was justified by faith in the blood. Even the law teaches that. By faith. Old Testament saints got saved the same way we do. By faith. They knew the Word of God. There's no doubt this man knew. Why? Because he said, hey, why don't you send one of the ones that have died? He even said, Moses, bring him back to life. He'll listen. So we know that this man knew the Word of God, but he doubted it while he was living. You know what? We have this idea. Well, I'll get all that right when we get to heaven. No, you ought to get it all right before you get there. We're such people of procrastination, man. We're like, oh, that'll wait, that'll wait. Spiritual things will not wait. They're the most important thing. By the way, the Word of God, we should not doubt the Word of God. We should not disobey the Word of God. Elijah preached. Elijah, all the way back in the Old Testament, he preached faith in Christ. Listen to me. The Bible verifies the record. So this man had a knowledge... Of the word of God. But he doubted it. He disdained it. Now. I don't know where you are today. I don't know. I hope and pray that you believe that this book is true. How many of you believe this book is true? But you know what? We might believe it's true and still disdain it. We, We might say. Oh I know what the word of God. I know what the Bible says. But here's our next favorite word. But. Oh, I know the word of God is, but I heard uh, B.R. Lakin say, boy, we got a bunch of billy goat Christians who are always butting. But, but, I've heard it a thousand times. By the way, I've said it. Well, I know what the Bible says, but. 
Well, I know the Lord wants us to, but, see, you need to quit but and just say, you know what, I'm sinning. I, I need to do better. I need to take the word of God for what it is. I need to see it for what it is. I need to quit making excuses. And I've learned this. Parents love to make excuses for our children. Oh, I know, but it'll be okay. They'll be all right. Well, who says they'll be all right? I think the word of God's clear. And, and by the way, that's what I'm saying. Even your children. At the end of the day, the Bible says even a child is known by his doings. You can't make, when they get older, you can't make them do anything. That's why I said even earlier, the Christian life is a personal one. But it's a personal one in which, you know what the difference here this morning is either okay. I bet you everyone in this building today will say, oh, I believe the Bible, but that's not what's going to change your life today. What's going to be a difference when people walk out this door is what you, if you ever believe it, if you obey it. That's the difference. He completely doubted the word of God while he was living, but now it's become extremely important to him now that he's dead. So... He doubted the word of God while he was living. Can I just say this? I believe we get a sense that he felt like that he deemed riches and his possessions were more important than his spiritual values. And boy, we live in that day today. We want so much stuff and we, we maximize the things we can attain and we can have and we minimize the spiritual values. Can I help everybody here? What good does it have to have a big old house and you're living in it alone? You say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll find me someone that's going to love to be with me. Well, how in the world are you going to find somebody that's going to love to be with you if you don't even know how to love back? Where do we learn how to love? We learn how to love. God is love. We learn how to love and be the right kind of spouse through the word of God. But listen, this man, he deemed everything else more important than spiritual morals. See, here's what's amazing. I learned this. Material possessions are not the most important needs in life. Get a hold of it. Now we say that and then we go into great debt to make sure our children have everything and then we don't even know about their spiritual character. I want you to know something, friend. What's more important for your children is where do they stand with the Lord? Things will come and go. Things will be destroyed. Things will be burned up by fire. I've never forgotten. Uh, I won a few, not very many. I won a few trophies when I was a kid. A few. I don't know where one of them is today. Maybe my mother has them, but I doubt it. You say, well, what are you trying to talk about? Look, these things that we try to attain in this life... By the way, most of the time, we, and I've learned this about a trophy, all it has to do is fall one time and it chips or breaks. And all that we work for now is broke. And, I, and by the way, I think, I think that we ought to, we got to work to eat, we got to work to live, we got to work to, and by the way, I'm not against having things, so please don't misunderstand me. All the preachers saying it's wrong to be wealthy. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying we better get our priorities right. I thank God for people that God's blessed and they're wealthy. You say, well, why? Well, they can support the work of God. Amen. 
I know a lot of good Christian people that pours a lot of their finances into the work of God. I know a lot of our great movements in all of the history of America, especially churches and different ministries and things, have been been financed by wealthy people that love God. Well, it's not that I'm preaching against finances. I'm saying this man seemed to deem riches and worldly possessions more important than his spiritual because the Bible said he had everything in the world. But when he died, he didn't take any of it with him. And I wish to God that God would take the, the scales off of our eyes and realize we came into this world barren and we're going to leave it barren. And we ought to be focused in on spiritual things more so. And things that are temporary. That's why I have such a love-hate thing with all the stuff that the world provides. I'm for having fun. But it amazes me when that stuff comes into conflict with eternity. We ought to always choose eternity. He deemed riches seemed like more important, but he learned something. His material possessions were not the most important need. Can I just say this? Money... Without God is usually a curse to people. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, y'all ever watched the lottery winners? Y'all ever watched them documentaries on them lottery winners? We had one in West Virginia. He's dead now. His whole family is. He was right there in West Virginia. He won. Y'all might know the name. Jack Whitaker. Millions. My soul, once he got that money... He lost everything. His granddaughter died of a drug overdose. There was scandal went on in the family. He finally died. He got a divorce. He was married for many, many years. You say, well, it was all because of money. Well, I'm not saying it was all because of money, but I'm just saying this. Most people, without God, money becomes a ruin to them. You know why? Because we don't have wisdom. See, God gives us wisdom. The Bible says that any man that lacked wisdom, let him ask of God. And so this man had everything that he could ask for on earth, but now he has died. He's not taken any of it with him. Now he's in hell lifting up his eyes in torments. Can you imagine? I bet you he would have given all that money away if he would have gotten saved. Can I say, saddest story in all the Bible, he deemed riches, I believe, more important than spiritual values. He doubted the word of God while he was alive. But notice this, he died without making it right with God. See, here's what's amazing. When we're born, we think we're right with God, but we're not. We're at enmity with God. Now, I know, please don't get upset with it because say, oh, that precious little baby, he is precious. Yes, they're precious. But the Bible says we're born in our sin. We're sinners because mom and dad were sinners. And mom and dad were sinners because grandma and grandpa were sinners. And we're all sinners because we were all born of man and woman. And all men and women have been born of flesh and blood. The only sinless baby ever that's lived on this earth was Jesus. That's why he went to the cross. Because he was the only one that could pay uh, the sin debt because he was sinless. But see, to get right with God, we have to have our sin forgiven. And the only way we can have our sin forgiven is to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior because He's the payment. He's the way. 
See, that's why he went to the cross because he was of no sin. He had no sin. The Bible said that he was tempted at all points as we are, but yet without sin. He had never sinned. So when Jesus went to the cross and bled and died, his precious blood was not tainted with sin. So his blood was shed as a sacrifice for ours. So when we get saved, we Jesus... His salvation, His blood, His life, His perfect righteousness. The moment we trust Jesus as our Savior, we are imputed. We have righteousness put on our account. So when God the Father looks at me after I get saved, God doesn't see Mark Brandon's past anymore. God doesn't see Mark Brandon's sin anymore. God the Father only sees the perfect account of His Son. That's salvation. He imputes that righteousness onto us. I'm an old nasty sinner. I deserve hell. But I thank God He loved me so much He paid for my sins. And there was a day in my life that I trusted Christ my Savior. This rich man never did it. He died without making right with God. He did not get born again. You say, Pastor Mark, what does that mean there in John chapter 3 that you must be born again? See, we're all born physically. I have a birth certificate. I found it the other day. My mom's looking through all that stuff y'all get. Man, we got some, there's some gems in there. There's some old pictures in there. And Laura, she went and got all that stuff organized for us. Man, it's all there. All y'all's papers are organized. All them pictures and all that's all organized. And man, there's some gems there. And I said all that and I was getting off track. What was I talking about? Huh? My birth certificate. I see my birth certificate. Because I was born July the 24th, 1974, Raleigh County, West Virginia. I was born to Patrick Allen Brandon and Dolores Ann Brandon. I was the second child, 1974. And by the way, I don't think I have a birthmark, but uh, I'm here. And I have a paper that said I was born, and I believe it because I'm here and I feel like I'm 49. So I'm here. So I was born once, but you know what? Praise God, about 1980s, a five-year-old boy, I was sitting in a church one morning and I heard the gospel and I knew I was lost. And I'll tell you right now, I got under conviction. And as soon as that preacher got done that day, I grabbed my mom by the hand. I said, Mom, I need to get saved. What was I telling her? I said, Mom, I've been born once. I'm alive, but now I need to get born again. I was born in the flesh, but I need my spirit born. And so, man, that day I trusted Jesus as my Savior, and I had a spiritual birthday. I was born again from above. It was a spiritual birth. And now I have birthmarks. Amen. What's some of your birthmarks, Pastor Mark? Well, I get convicted when I get caught sinning. I get convicted even before I get caught. I can't even enjoy sinning. I don't mean that I have never sinned and it don't mean that I've not fought through it and done it. But I'm going to tell you right now, when you get saved, you ain't going to have fun sinning. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm going to give you another birthmark. I love being around God's people. That's a pretty good mark that you got saved if you want to get around God's people. Even though they do get on your nerves every once in a while. Somebody say Amen. Hey, listen, there's birthmarks to being saved. But I want you to know, he died without making right with God. He had never got born again. Can I ask y'all a question? Have y'all been born again? Most important decision you ever make. Hey, I'm going to tell you something else real quick. He was disappointed when he died. 
Probably wasn't what he thought it was going to be. I'll never forget, I was, uh, I was at a fair, and we were soul winning. We had a booth there, and it said, see three things God cannot do. And of course, people would walk around, oh, God can do anything. I, I know, just read it, just read it. The first one was, God cannot lie. I'd say, oh, now we get it. You know, they'd always, oh, now. But see, what they didn't understand, we was trying to draw people to a conclusion that they needed to know they needed to be saved. Even Christians would come, oh, what are y'all doing over here? I said, well, come over here and look at it. And it was amazing to me the lack of wisdom Christians had. Oh, I'll just doing a bunch of gimmicks. I said, no, this gets people to think. And we give them, present the gospel to them. Do you know that we've seen hundreds of people saved at the state fair? See, three things God cannot do. God cannot lie. God cannot change. And then the last one was, God cannot let anybody into heaven unless they've been born again. You must be born again. That's a pretty good, God can't lie. He will not let a one of us into heaven unless we've been born again. Amen? It's just pretty important that you get born again. And by the way, if you have not been born again, you can get it today. What is today? September the 24th, 2023, somebody could have a spiritual birthday. I know I can ask one man right now what his spiritual birthday is. He will shout it out. Brother Milford White, give me your spiritual birthday. November the 26th, 1966, he'd been born again. When was your physical birthday, Brother Milford? October the 15th, 1935. 1935, so he existed for several years till he really found out what life was. He got born again. How many of y'all know your birthday spiritually? Amen. If you don't have one, I'm going to tell y'all right now, today's a good one. September the 23rd, 2023 can be your birthday and you're with a bunch of people that we like to celebrate with you. Can I just say this? And I'm going to close in just a moment. This stuff's too good. This is sad though. He discovered too late the need that he he discovered too late. He discovered too late. He discovered too late. He discovered too late. You know, I've discovered a lot of things that's too late. You know what? I've said, I said, why didn't I do that or think of it then? too late see and you say well how do you know he discovered too late because here's what he said he asked for somebody to go and tell his brothers and he even asked he said would you just bring Lazarus that poor man that didn't have anything now he's got everything and I'm here suffering could you please just send him and just tip with just the tip of water and place it on my see he realized too late See, his prayer after death wasn't heard. I believe there's a lot of praying going on in hell. See, right now if you pray, he'll listen. Can I say his plea for mercy was too late? But it's not now. You know the only thing that sends us to hell is pride. 
you know what, we just don't think we need it. No, you need it. If you've never been saved, you need to be saved. You say, oh, Pastor Mark, you don't understand. If I get saved, everything will change. Yep. Hey, but you won't mind it. Y'all look at me. Y'all think I went all through my life saying, boy, I just can't wait to be a preacher. I mean, I went to every job fair, and every time I went to a job fair, I'm going to be a preacher. Y'all believe that? That was the last thing on my mind. You know what? I always thought preachers lived boring lives. I used to look at Mr. Pilkin and I said, man, he's a strange duck. I bet you just sits at the house, reads his Bible all the time. He don't ever, but I'd go over there, man, he did. He had this recliner. He was like real organized and he'd have all that stuff. I'm like, man, I could never do that. He had his, uh, he had his reclining chair and he had all, he had a homemade thing that he made, Brother Sam, on the side of his thing that he could keep all that stuff organized. And if he needed something, he just reached his hand. He'd keep his feet propped up. I said, see, I could never do that. And, you know, and when he mounted the pulpit, man, I thought, man, he's a man of God. I mean, he don't ever make any mistakes. And, man, he's just, he's just walking right up there. But you know what? I learned. I, I was friends with his son real well. And I learned, you know what, about Mr. Pilkin? He's just like me. And one of the most blessed things i ever seen in my life is that towards the end of his life, this was one of the greatest compliments I ever got. i got to share it with you. His dear, precious wife was dying. And Mr. Pilkington was much up older in years. And, and uh, I remember we had something. Mom had invited him and his wife already actually had died. And I, was, uh, I helped with his son's funeral, uh, Stephen. And so Mr. Pilkington came over to our house. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. He came in. He said, well, I want to sit down beside the preacher. He said that about me. Man, I was big head. <laughs> I was like, he wants to sit beside he just called me the preacher. And here I was, a little boy that grew up under him all those years, man, and I looked up to him, and I mean, if Mr. Pilgrim said something, I mean, it was like E.F. Hutton. Some of you young people have no idea what E.F. Hutton is. When E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of you have no idea? It's an old commercial. You've got to be 49 years of age to remember it. But man. And so all through my teen years, oh boy, I can't wait to be a preacher. No, I said the one thing I ain't never going to be is a preacher. <laughs> Don't ever say never. But here's what's amazing. When you get tuned in with God, you love it. He changes your desires. So here's why I said all that. If you're not saved, you say, oh, pastor, if I get saved, everything will change. You'll like it. Amen. By the way, no, you'll love it. You'll want more of it. So let God work in your heart. Look, don't be too late, but here quickly. We'll close. It's the saddest story ever told. Why? He doubted the word of God. He deemed riches more important than spiritual. He died without making right with God. He disappointed at the state of death. He discovered too late that he has need to repent. It was too late. Here's the last thing. It could have been the most beautiful story. What if while he was there and he's seen everything with Lazarus, what if he would have admitted that he was a sinner what if he would have called out and accepted Jesus Christ when he was still alive? 
What if he would have used all of his wealth and all of his talents for the Lord's work? What if we read a different story about this rich man and we're reading about how he's in heaven right now really living? Could be the most wonderful story. By the way, you've not wrote your story yet. You're still alive. So Pastor Mark, you trying to scare me? No. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's a place called hell. Whether you believe there's one or whether I believe there's one does not matter. There is a hell. God speaks more of hell than he does heaven. If you go there now, you've crawled over top of this message to get there. You've busted right through this thing today and said, I'm going to hell. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you have a chance today to be gloriously saved. I'm going to tell you all right now. And by the way, you don't need to be embarrassed, but I would not let embarrassment stop me because there's no embarrassment. I wouldn't let anything stop me today to get born again. And then you can say like many of us, my spiritual birthday is September the 24th, 2023. That was the day I got born again. There's nothing like it. Heaven is real. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. One look of his dear face. Something. You don't start a song if you don't know all the words to it. Miss Marsh, I'm sorry. I said your father instead of your mother. Will you please forgive me? How many of y'all just get put out with yourself? You wish you could do everything better. That's the way I feel. But I'm going to tell you right now, I feel at perfect peace what I preached this morning. It's true. I have no reservations. God will save you today. And if you're a Christian, you ought to be trying to tell everybody you can to keep them out of this place. So God's got so much for us to do in this day. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. With head bowed and eyes closed. Would you be honest? I've been honest today. I really have. I've been honest. I promise you I've been honest. I believe what I preach is true. 100%. There's not one flaw, not one error in the word of God. I believe hell should be shunned and heaven is real.